plus one, then two zero two. Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America! Sporty greetings, Voice of America listeners. I'm Jackson Vungani. I'm stepping in for Sunny Young. Welcome to the January 26th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. On today's show, we'll continue our special coverage of the Africa Cup of Nations Football Tournament, or AFCON, in Ivory Coast. The group stage is done, and starting tomorrow, Saturday, January the 27th, until Tuesday, January the 30th, the remaining 16 teams will battle it out to reach the quarterfinals. In the group stages, Senegal led the way by winning three games. Ghana, a soccer powerhouse on the continent, was eliminated from the tournament after drawing two games and losing one game. Ghana this week fired coach Chris Hutton. In 2019 winners, Algeria was another favorite to be eliminated from the tournament. They lost to Mauritania, 1-0 victory at the Stade de la Paix on Tuesday. Meanwhile, Cameroon, five-time champions, scored two late goals against Gambia to secure a place into the last 16. Equatorial Guinea and Cape Verde have impressed with some stellar performances against formidable opponents. And for more Afghan action, I'm joined by Ugandan sports writer and analyst Jonah Biakutaga. He joins me from Kampala, Uganda. Jonah, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us. You're in Kampala, Uganda. Let's start off with the hosts, uh, Ivory Coast. Uh, They're getting their second chance to stay in the tournament after escaping early elimination uh, in what would have been an embarrassing exit so far. Um, explain to us how they're going, they're moving forward. You know, explain to us the math. How did Ivory Coast get to keep their hopes alive after that loss to Equatorial Guinea? What has been called a, a humiliating loss? Do the math for us here. It's a pleasure being here as always, and uh, what a tournament we are having at the Africa Cup of Nations. Probably the best um, uh, that we've had in recent times. It's been exciting, so many goals, so many underdog stories, and of course the Giants falling uh, by the way, by the wayside. Of course, um, uh, Ghana, Algeria, Tunisia, the big names. Ivory Coast just surviving. Um, they came away as uh, one of the best uh, third-place teams. So when the Africa Cup of Nations expanded in terms of size um, from 16 to 24 teams, it meant that the top two teams in all groups advanced automatically for the round of 16. Um, that meant uh, 12 teams had advanced. Now um, it left four spots up for grabs, and that meant that the best third-place teams, the four best third-place teams, would get a chance, a second bite of the cherry, and they would have a chance um, uh, to advance to the round of 16. Now, Ivory Coast were terrible um, uh, all through um, uh, their group stages. They won their opening game against Guinea-Bissau, and then they lost 1-0 in a heavyweight clash with Nigeria, and then they were shockingly thumped uh, by everybody's now favorite team, Equatorial Guinea. Um, uh, that left them with only three points, which meant that uh, they had to wait until basically the last kick of the, of the group stages, the game between Morocco and Zambia was the game that determined their fate. Now, Morocco and Zambia are not even in their group. Morocco and Zambia are in Group F, 
but there was only one slot left for the four of the best third place teams, and that slot was to be taken by either Ivory Coast or Zambia. Now, a draw for Zambia and Morocco would have sent Ivory Coast out of the tournament. I almost said would have sent them home or would have kept them home rather. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Morocco beating Zambia um, meant that Ivory Coast snatched only snatched that last bat by one point. So they had three points and Zambia had two points. And that's how the Ivorians managed to stay alive in this tournament. I guess the question is, what happened to Ivory Coast? I mean, they have the advantage of actually hosting, being a host nation. You would think that the, there's energy already there that is kind of inbuilt in the tournament. You have a home court advantage. You have a fan base um, and Ivory Coast is actually a solid team in itself. W- what happened? I tell you what, Jackson, at the start of this tournament, when I was asked who my pick was to win this tournament, I, I went confidently with Morocco without hesitation. And when I was asked who the dark horse was for me, I hesitated between Ivory Coast and Nigeria. Eventually, I settled for Nigeria only because of Victor Osimhen, the goal that he scored for Napoli in Italy. I thought Nigeria may just come in underrated without anybody paying attention. But I thought, let's keep an eye on Ivory Coast. They've not got a bad team and they're playing at home. But I'm as shocked as you are. But I'll, I'll put it down to the coach. And I'm not surprised that Jean-Louis Gasset has lost his job. Um, when you look at the team that he's picked, um, obviously Sebastian Halla has struggled with fitness issues. We know he is their leading marksman. Any day he should be starting up front leading the attack. His absence all through these group stages has been, of course, you cannot deny that because he scored so many goals to get them to the tournament. And uh, his absence um, at the tournament uh, so far um, uh, is clear. They can't score goals up front. Now, if I were the coach at this point, I'd go for experience. You've got a guy like Nicolas Pepe. Eventually, he started him, in, unfortunately, in the game when they lost 4-0. Right. started him as a fourth nine, And that's not Pepe's position. Everybody knows when he was at Arsenal coming off the, the right wing on his left foot when he was at Leo in France. Um, put him, stick him out on the right side. Get Max Grado out on the left, and you've got plenty of experience in there. Get Sergei Oye back into the starting lineup. They dropped him for that final game. And then get the Brighton man, Adingra. Um, uh, he's new at this stage, but he's been exciting for Brighton. He can play the false nine. If you have Adingra, Peck, and Max Grady, you've got movement, you've got flair, you've got confusion for the opposing defense. That's what, for me, I would go for and get Sergio Oye back into that team. Go for your experience heads. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's done that. Maybe he's not trusted some of his older players. And they've almost, uh, well, he's paid the price of his job. And Ivory Coast um, uh, leave to fight another day. And, and I hope... Um, right. uh, um, now that they've got a new coach, of course, Emma's fire, former international player. With these former international players, they seem to understand the dynamics around these teams, especially in African football, and they understand what superstars are and the aura that they come with into the setup. So mm. I believe um, when we get to the Monday game, that huge clash between, um, of course, Ivory Coast and the defending champion Senegal in the round of 16, I think the new coach, Emerson Fire, will probably go for experience. I think Pepe will come in. I think Sergio Oye, Max Gredo, maybe even Adinga, not that experienced, but very exciting. So right. I think they'll revert to the tried and tested and go for it. And they, they will come in with a chip on their shoulders on this in, the, in this case with a point to prove uh, hopefully the, the new coach will uh, heed some of your advice. And uh, Now let's uh, go to mm-hmm. another top contender, Egypt, uh, which lost uh, uh, Mo Salah, perhaps one of the best players in the world right now. And now they will turn to striker Mustafa Mohamed. What happened to, to Salah and, and how does his absence affect the team's chances at winning the trophy? So, you know, Egypt would have been in this equation with Ivory Coast battling to qualify if 
Ghana had held up their end of the deal um, in that game against uh, Ghana's game that is at the very end against Mozambique. If Ghana had won their game, Egypt would probably be out of the tournament or maybe they would have just sneaked in ahead of Ivory Coast because they're the worst uh, second place team. They finished with three points and managed to get second slot. And that says a lot about that group, perhaps, um, uh, with the exception, um, uh, of course, of Cape Verde, who ran away with seven points. But for Egypt losing Mo Salah, we were told that he would be out at least until the quarterfinals, which means he would miss two games, which was the final game against Cape Verde in the group stages. And then the round of 16 um, clash, where they were, the round of 16 clash that they're preparing for now. But it looks like um, uh, he may not even return for the quarterfinals. And that should be a little bit of a concern for the Egyptians. Um, they looked a bit free in the game against Cape Verde. They were playing the best team in the group. They seemed to be freed from the Mo Salah shackles. Many players like Trezeguet were stepping up and trying to, you know, to win it for their nation and showing that they can do, um, they can do it for perhaps their captain and their talisman Salah. But overall, at this point of the tournament, when uh, you get to this point of the tournament, you need your stamina. Now, on paper, they have they have a fixture against the Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, that's on Sunday. You think that they should be the favourites, but we've seen the way, of course, um, uh, the Congo has played in this tournament. This is a team that that has pedigree from a champions themselves. And uh, maybe not in recent times, but they know how to negotiate their way around the tournament. Mm. And uh, they they were not very impressive per se in the group stages. They drew all their games against Morocco, against Zambia, and against Tanzania. But um, if you if I was a betting man, I, I would say maybe Egypt would just have enough in the tank, even without Salah in that squad. Trezeguet for me has stepped up when he's been needed, mm. and at this point, many times pedigree comes in into the equation, and you need your key players and your superstar experienced teams tend to step up. And hopefully they'll step up. Now let's talk about Ghana, a soccer powerhouse on the continent, represented at the World Cup in 2022. A solid team by all standards coming into the tournament. However, they did not have a good showing. Uh, they lost uh, opening the, their opening Group B game to Cape Verde, uh, followed by two draws with Mozambique and, and Egypt, both with a 2-2 score what happened to the Black Stars? You know, well, somebody said it easily. No party, no party. Uh, the Arsenal man, Thomas Party, of course, missing the tournament. And yeah. the Ghanaians having no party <laughs> in Ivory Coast. And probably that sums up um, uh, the story for the Ghanaians. Yeah. In the moment Thomas Party was ruled out of the tournament, um, he's their vice captain. You felt that they had lost such a big cog in the system. And uh, you thought they were going to struggle. Now, it got worse that Mohamed Kudus who's, for me, was meant to be the star player of this Absolutely. tournament. Unfortunately, the Ghanaians are going home, and his, his tournament has been cut short quite early. But you thought maybe Mohamed Kudus would carry the mantle, but he missed the first game in that loss against Cape Verde, returned in their second game against Egypt, and he was the star man, of course, scoring those two goals and showing what his absence meant in the first game against Cape Verde. But the thing with Ghana, when you look at this group, um, it, it, it's such a narrow margin in this group that if Ghana hadn't considered that last-minute goal against Cape Verde, we would be talking possibly about Egypt going home and not Absolutely. Ghana. And, and that's how narrow the margins were. So um, I think for Ghana, it's the end of, a, of the road for a golden generation, if you like. I think we've seen the end of Andre, Dede, Ayu, the older of the Ayu brothers. Perhaps mm. Jordan Ayu will stick around for the next tournament. He scored those two penalties 
in the in the final game against Mozambique. They led 2-0 in the 93rd, in the 91st minute, mm. and they were through at that point. They had advanced mm. to the next round, and then they suddenly considered two penalties in the of three yeah. minutes, and they were out of the tournament. So I think for Ghana, um, I think it's the end of a, of a golden generation. Now they've got to rebuild. Pate will probably still be around. Mohamed Kudus is going to take the forefront as the main man. Jordan Ayew will stay around. Inaki Williams flew straight back to Spain and eliminated Barcelona in the Copa del Rey. He will be around in that team. So they have a future, but it's going to obviously be with a new coach. Chris Hilton um, suffered. Um, uh, the fate, He was axed. He lost his job and he paid the price. So I think um, it's just now a new. Ch- they need change for Ghana. Obviously, a new coach is going to come in. My 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 guess would be a local coach comes in. Chris Hilton came in. Maybe he struggled a bit to understand African football. Sometimes it's not that easy. Yeah. Normally, the French coaches have understood African football because many of these players play in France. Right. But then you get a coach who's been in England. I think it's a completely different ball game. And Chris Hilton just struggled um, to get his. Black Stars. Chris Hutton was supposed to be the guy who served the Black Stars. I think he was brought in, uh, was it right after the World Cup, is that correct? Yes, that is right. Yeah. I want to ask you finally, Jonah, which teams surprised you? What will be the Cinderella story of the group stages? Wow. Um, I think I have to go with Equatorial with Guinea for what they did to Ivory Coast. <laughs> you don't just step up into someone's home and I know. Like four <laughs> <laughs> I think what what Equatorial Guinea did to Ivory Coast uh, will be written in the stars. For me, that was one result that I didn't see coming. Yeah. Um, uh, and then their main man, Emilio Sue, 34 years old. He's the top scorer of the tournament with five yes. goals. He scored a hat-trick, the first hat-trick that we've seen at the Africa Cup of Nations in 16 years. 16 so their years, story, yes. Um, is quite, what a is, record. It's quite the, the story. Yeah. And, and when you look, of course, at the fixtures, they have a tie against Guinea, um, which on paper they should be able to negotiate uh, easily. That's Equatorial Guinea playing Guinea. I think they'll advance further and get to the quarterfinals. In the last edition in 2021, um, they reached as far as they could. They beat Algeria in that tournament to reach um, the round of 16, uh, to, rather to reach the quarterfinals in 2021. So I look at them being able to equal that. But um, this is where the interesting bit comes in. I think their journey will end there. Um, they likely, I think, face off with Egypt or DR Congo if they advance, and I don't see them beating uh, one of those teams, whoever comes out of that tie. So for me, Equatorial Guinea, um, the, definitely the, the story of the tournament with their star man, Emilio, and so But special shout-out to Cape Verde. They're playing beautiful football, and the job they've done as well to top their group unbeaten. Um, is also impressive. Angola as well returning top of the table as well. Angola um, uh, topped a group uh, that had uh, Burkina Faso and Algeria. Yes, Algeria, a very the, tough, uh, the tough 2019 group. champions yeah. finishing bottom of that group. So yeah. there have been quite a number of exciting stories in this tournament, Jackson. Absolutely. Jonah Biaktaga all the way from Kampala, Uganda. Jonah, thank you so much for taking time to give us this brilliant, brilliant analysis. Enjoy the games. I guess we'll talk again before the end of this tournament. But like you said, one of the best Africa Cup of Nations that we've seen in many years. And I do agree with you 100% on that one. Thank you so much. Yeah, always a pleasure, Jackson. All the best for the rest of the tournament as well. Thank you. That was Jonah Biakutaga, a sports writer and analyst. He joined me from Kampala, Uganda. You're listening to the sunny side of sports. I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington. Follow us for more sports action at BOAAfrica.com. We are also on Facebook. 
Just search for VOA Sunnyside of Sports. Leave a comment and let us know what is your favorite team at AFCON. Tanzania was officially knocked out of the 34th AFCON on Wednesday when it played a scoreless draw against the Democratic Republic of Congo in Kohogo, Ivory Coast. The Taifa Stars of Tanzania finished on the bottom of the Group F table with two points from two draws and a loss. And for reaction, Ian Mike Mbonye spoke with an online editor with the National Media Group in Nairobi, David Kualimwa. Most East African fans as well I did not expect much uh, from Tanzania. Of course, there is that uh, a rivalry beat between Kenya, Tanzania and Uganda uh, in which uh, most of the bragging rights of, uh, of, of football in East Africa are played between these three countries. But uh, in the larger scape, you will realize Tanzania is ranked 121st out of about 208 countries in the FIFA rankings. Well, that's below average, uh, statistically speaking. So heading into a group uh, that had uh, seasoned sides such as Morocco, uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and uh, Zambia, of course, the 2012 uh, uh, champions, you quite expected uh, Tanzania to struggle. Uh, and it was evident uh, with the 3-0 loss to Morocco in the opening game, in which uh, Tanzania finished the game with 10 men and quite struggled again in the course of play to break down the Morocco side and to the game against Zambia, uh, where again you saw that uh, Zambia with 10 men still managed to get a draw against uh, Tanzania. And in the final game against the Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, Tanzania did not have a shot on target the entire match. So results aside, with Tanzania finishing with uh, two points out of a possible nine, uh, with the play, uh, Tanzania really struggled in the tournament. Of course, matters were not helped uh, with the suspension of their coach, Adel Amruche, the Algerian-born uh, Belgian, who was suspended by the tournament organizers, the Confederation of African Football, uh, for comments uh, he supposedly made in the run-up to the tournament, leading to his eventual suspension by his bosses, the Tanzania Football Federation. Uh, it, it, it brought a, a, about some... Uh, not quite needed publicity around the Tanzanian camp. And, of course, Coach Hamed Morocco, uh, the assistant coach to Amrucha, taking charge of the final two matches of the tournament. Uh, you will see that uh, the quality and standards of Tanzanian football, and to some extent uh, East African football, considering that Tanzania was the only East African side that, con- uh, that did qualify uh, for this uh, tournament, uh, really need a significant upgrade. Some sports analysts have predicted that the Taifa Stars will be the whipping team in their group. What's your take on this? I would understand why analysts expected Tanzania uh, to be the whipping boys in this tournament, uh, Mike. Look, uh, Tanzania have not won a single match at the Africa Cup of Nations since they began participating in this tournament in 1980. Uh, that's a long way back, about uh, uh, 44 years ago. Uh, the team, uh, the Taifa Stars, as they are commonly known, have played in nine games, yet to win a game, only managed three draws and six uh, losses. That's not quite a good statistic. Even a rallying call uh, by the much-respected uh, president, Mama Samia Suluhu, 
uh, did not seem to quite do the trick. Not even uh, a bonus of 500,000 US dollars promised by the Tanzania government on the eve of the march against the Democratic Republic of Congo. Remember, Tanzania could have qualified uh, for the uh, knockout phase of this tournament, even as the third best uh, worst team, if they did beat Congo, but that did not happen. No amount of motivation coming from home, from a telephone call from their president, uh, from the bonuses of uh, thousands of US dollars could motivate this team to get past Congo when they needed to. So the analysts were not so far off with their prediction, and I think it was based on Tanzania's previous performances and the capability of East African football as a whole. Do you think more East African teams will qualify for the next edition of AFCOM to be hosted by Morocco? Well, East African teams will need to do things a little bit more differently uh, to stand a chance of uh, competing in the 2025 uh, Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, we have seen the so-called uh, quote-unquote lesser sides come to the Africa Cup of Nations and give the season teams a run for their money. At the top of my mind, I can think of uh, Cape Verde Islands uh, who, of course, easily beat Ghana and did draw with uh, Egypt to lead a very difficult group. And then came Mauritania, who have uh, gone on to qualify for the knockout phases of this tournament. Uh, Equatorial Guinea as well, giving Nigeria a run for their money. I remember in that group, uh, game that ended 1-1, uh, Namibia also securing qualification to uh, the group phase. Guinea-Bissau putting up a good account of themselves. So the... So, called lesser sides are really coming up in this tournament and uh, it's time for East Africa to follow Q. Of course, it will uh, entail a lot of preparations, planning, and of course optimism because as you know, uh, East Africa in the frame of Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania have the hosting rights for the 2027 Africa Cup of Nations. Could this be a position or a time to jumpstart East African football? I mean, by hosting it with the whole crowds behind you, with the three East African countries guaranteed at least nine home matches in Kampala, Nairobi, and Dar es Salaam, maybe, uh, just maybe, this could be the turning point of East African football. But the lessons learned from Tanzania's dismal performance, as expected, at the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations in Cote d'Ivoire, will come in handy for uh, this uh, region heading into the next continental assignment. That was David Kualimwa. He's the online editor with the Nation Media Group. We're speaking with Iron Mike Mbonye. And let's continue the show with Blessing Abomazi, a professional footballer who is based in Morocco and plays for Ghana's national women's team. Blessing was the special guest on VOA's Africa's latest Kick It Afghan podcast. She joined Sunny Young and our colleagues Mike Hove and Kali Abdu for a lively discussion about the Nations Cup, Ghanaian football developments, and in women games and other topics. We're talking about Ghana at AFCON. Uh, talk to me. So it's like, what exactly happened? What are your thoughts on that? What what happened there? Oh my goodness! Uh, wow, Ghana, Ghana, Ghana. <laughs> 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 well. Um... Honestly, um, my way of understanding, mm -hmm. I would say um, I'm a defender, so let me talk about the defense. Mm -hmm. um, I see, you know, in defense, especially when it comes to the center backs, mm -hmm. um, pairing the four and five, 
it has to be one has to be a, a marker mm. i mean doing much of the dirty work and the other one has to be the sweeper i mean the that person who is that calm and dribbler you know that kind of thing and the other one has to be the box to box i mean mm. the defender typical defender but looking at the black stars they are pairing both of them are kind of offensive minded yeah so somehow i think that's one of the problem and um i think they sometimes lose concentration or focus um uh, ending of the game so most time they lose focus or concentration uh, when it's time i mean almost time for the game i don't really know what the problem is honestly i really don't know so that is how I see it, and it's so disappointing, honestly. Hi, Hi, Blessing. This is Sonny Young at uh, VOA headquarters in Washington. Uh, the Black Stars gave up a two-goal lead against uh, Mozambique late in the match. Yeah. They surrendered two goals in injury time, and that, and that really set off some angry demonstrations by Ghanaian fans. Uh, what was your reaction to the uh, Ghanaian fans uh, after that match? <sighs> Well, well, um, somehow I understand their emotions because uh, they really, really love Ghanaians. I mean, they're blasters and they are there to support someone literally leaves their work, their family, whatever, just to be with blasters to support them. So you can understand where they are coming from. But also, it's not a good action, I mean, to be attacking them. I mean, that did has already been done. So there is nothing we can do about it. So I don't appreciate them attacking the players. That's not cool. But I understand them too. Blessing. Hi, this is Kali. I have a question in relation to that. So obviously, you mentioned the fact that the defenders lost concentration here and there, and that costs you that much ultimately against Egypt. Usually in football, the players make mistakes and the coaches pay for the mistakes. One of the things I was curious about was the fact that you had a young team in Qatar and um, Chris Hewen was part of the setup as a technical advisor then, and now he was brought uh, forward to be the coach. And it seemed like, you know, he brought in more experienced players, you know, to mix with the younger players. And ultimately, mistakes cost you guys versus Egypt. Everybody sees that. Is the thinking that, you know, with him being fired, that you're going to go uh, in a different direction and maybe still, you know, bring in more experienced players? Or is it just one of those things where because you lost, there's a lot of emotions running high and, you know, they decided to just let him go. What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, I'm sure he's not the first person experiencing this, like mm-hmm. after a tournament or after a bad performance, a coach has been sacked. I'm not sure he's the first person. So, well, this is football. It happens to everyone. I mean, any other coach can be in his shoes. I mean, the way they let him go. So I'm not sure it's his intentions to be on this side. I mean, to be this bad, you get. Sometimes I 
said, I am a player and understand because a coach must might taught a player something to do on the field. I mean, during the training ground. But when you get inside the field, it's different game ball altogether. What yeah. the coach might taught you to do, it might be different from what you are experiencing on the field. So you being as a matured footballer or as a matured player, you should be able to handle the situation without even uh, expecting the coach to instruct you to do something. So somehow, well, the coach has to be blamed and somehow to the players too has to be blamed. But sacking him, well, that's the decision of the FA. So like I said, it can happen to anybody else. I, so I, we just have to embrace it and move on. Thank you. I, I just wanted to follow up really quickly. In your opinion, should they have continued with with him just to keep building on, you know, uh, the team growing? It, it, there's been a tournament in Qatar and now this tournament. Because when I look at history, your team has struggled in this tournament. So you, it's not necessarily yeah. this coach, in my opinion, of course. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I'm just curious if you think that continuity might have helped you guys going forward. Yeah, you know, one thing too is because they keep changing their coaches, the team keeps changing as well because mm -hmm. every coach with their perception of players. So the moment you change a coach, uh, maybe, uh, let's say, for example, Kudus, for example, a coach might like the way he's playing. And the next coach will come and he'll be like, no, I don't like the way he plays. Mm -hmm. You get. So if we keep changing coaches every day, changing them, that is how the team will keep changing. But if we maintain a particular coach and we give them some time to build the team from the scratch, I think that would be better. But they, ha they don't have that time. Or let me say, they are not patient enough to give. That was Blessing Abomazi, a professional footballer based in Morocco, speaking to my colleague Sunny Young and Mike Hov and Kali Abdu. Check out VOA's latest Kick It Afcon podcast. And that wraps up this January 26th edition of the show. Thanks to the producer, David Vandy, and engineer, Sidrak. And thank you for tuning in. I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington, and that is the sunny side of sports.